Good morning and welcome to worship this second Sunday after Epiphany. Thank you, Michaela, for that beautiful prelude this morning. We are so glad you are joining us uh, for this time of worship, whether you found us via our OSL podcast, our YouTube channel, or if you're listening to our radio broadcast, thank you for taking this time to be joined together in worship. I remind you that a bulletin for the service is available on our website at oslme.com under our worship page. In preparation for worship this morning, I invite you to light a candle, gather some bread and wine or juice to celebrate Holy Communion a little later on in our service. We begin our worship under the sign of the cross. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose voice is upon the waters, whose mercy is poured out upon all people, whose goodness cascades over all of creation. Amen. Let us pray as we confess our sin, trusting in God's abundant grace. Holy God, you search us and know us. You are acquainted with all our ways. We confess that our hearts are burdened by sin, our own sins and the broken systems that bind us. We turn inward, failing to follow your outward way of love. We distrust those who are not like us. We exploit the earth and its resources and fail to consider generations to come. Forgive us, gracious God, for all we have done and all that we have left undone. Even before the words are on our tongues, you know them. Receive them into your divine mercy. Amen. How vast indeed is God's grace. Through the power and promise of Christ Jesus, our sins are washed away and we are claimed as God's own beloved. Indeed, we are forgiven. In the wake of God's forgiveness, we are called to be the beloved community living out Christ's justice and the Spirit's reconciling peace. Amen. We join together in singing our gathering hymn for this morning, Will You Come and Follow Me, hymn number 798, and we will sing verses 1, 2, and 5 together.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Thanks be to you, Lord Jesus Christ, most merciful Redeemer, for the countless blessings and benefits you give. May we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day praising you, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we join Denise Vick, Director of Children and Family Ministry, for a children's message. Good morning, and welcome to the children's message. Today's lesson, we hear the story of Samuel and Eli. It is a story all about hearing and listening. Did you know that there is a difference between hearing and listening? We can hear everything, but we may not always be listening to what we're hearing. Does that make sense? It gets a little clearer in today's Bible story from our World Story Bible titled, Who's Calling Samuel? Before I get to the story, I want to give you a little insight into who Samuel is. Samuel is the son of Hannah. Hannah had prayed faithfully to God to bless her with a son, and in turn she promised that she would raise that son and give him back to the Lord. Well, God not only heard Hannah, but he was listening to Hannah, and he blessed her with a baby boy. When he was old enough, she brought him to the temple to live with Eli, who was a blind priest that lived in the temple, to raise Eli or to raise Samuel so that he would learn all about God and become God's faithful servant. Also, you need to know that God had stopped speaking out loud to people for a very long time. And also, the prophets had not been blessed with visions in a very long time. So God's people believed that God had forgotten about them. But we know that is not the truth, that God is always at work. But they didn't know that until God spoke to a small boy named Samuel. Here's today's story. Our story today comes from the World Story Bible, page 94. Who's Calling Samuel? 1 Samuel 3, 1-20 When Samuel was a boy, he lived in the temple with a priest named Eli. Eli couldn't see, so sometimes he needed someone to help him day and night. One night, Samuel was lying down. Someone called his name. Samuel. He ran to Eli's room. Here I am, Samuel shouted. Eli jumped up from his sleep. Samuel, I didn't call you. Lie down again. Samuel shuffled back to bed. Samuel, he heard again. Samuel rushed to Eli a second time. Here I am, he said, but Eli sent him away once more. If Eli isn't calling me, who is it? Samuel wondered. He heard the voice a third time. Samuel, Samuel. Again, Samuel hurried to Eli's room. I didn't call you, Eli said, rubbing his tired eyes. Samuel stomped his foot. Someone is calling me. Eli realized it was the Lord. He told Samuel, next time say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. A fourth time, Samuel heard his name, Samuel. This time he whispered, speak, Lord, I'm listening. The Lord said, Samuel, I'm calling you. You will bring messages to my people. I will tell you what to say. As Samuel grew, God gave him many messages to tell many people. Now that you've heard the story, let me ask you a few questions. What did Samuel hear when he was drifting off to sleep? He heard his name being called, right? Since he and Eli were the only ones in the temple, he just assumed it was Eli calling him. But God's voice probably didn't sound exactly like Eli's. And Samuel was just hearing the voice. He wasn't really listening to the voice. But once Eli told him to say, speak, Lord, I'm listening, what happened? God spoke to him and gave him a message to tell Eli, who Eli went on to tell all people. 
And then God continued to speak to Samuel, through Samuel, to all his people. So, how does God speak to you? Now, you may not hear him directly speaking to you, but he does speak to you in other ways. By reading our Bible and watching and listening to our services weekly, he is speaking to us through his written word and through his faithful servants. And it's important for us to read our Bible and to listen to our services, to let our heart listen and hear his word spoken and read. He also comes to us in our dreams. He can speak to us through our dreams, right? Have you ever had a dream that has moved you to action? Sometime God, sometimes God comes to us in our dreams and he talks to us there. He also speaks to our hearts, directly to our hearts. You find that your heart is telling you things, right? You have this feeling inside you, this gentle pushing or thoughts that pop up repeatedly throughout the day, urging you to do things that are calling, that God is calling you to do. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Say you're at school and you see someone that is being teased or picked on. You see it, you know it's not right. And so God whispers in your heart that you need to act to maybe speak to that person and befriend them. Let them know that they are loved unconditionally. Or maybe you're called to speak to those that were doing the teasing, that you want to tell them that their words were hurtful and that they should apologize. I have another example. Let's say you hear of a family that has lost all their belongings in a fire they have three kids and they now have nothing. You don't know them, so you think there's nothing you can do. But throughout the day, you keep thinking about this family and their situation. Now you're at school and you hear some kids talking about the fire and they mention the kids that were involved and you happen to know one of them from one of your classes. So you want to help, but you just don't know how. So you see them at recess, you find the courage to talk to them, and you ask them, how are they doing? You let them know that you heard about the fire and the sad news that they've lost their home and their belongings. And then you ask them, would it be okay if you brought some stuff from your home to help replace what they've lost? You could ask them what their shoe size is or what games they lost. And it's possible that you or one of your brothers or sisters has the same size or maybe you have extra games at your home. So you go home, you tell your parents about this family and you tell your parents that you want to help them, right? And you tell them about this friend and you bring them a bag filled with items to show them that God is indeed at work through you, that you listened to your heart. You heard God talking, you heard it, and you were called to action. So how does God speak to you? So I ask you this, is God calling you? Is he speaking to you now? Is he touching your heart? And if so, are you listening to him? So I want to challenge you this week. Take time to listen to God. Read your Bible. Open up your phone and look for a daily devotional or look up our worship service on our website or maybe one of the devotionals, the current ones that we're offering here through the church. Take some time each day to be silent and to listen to God speak to you. Let's end this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you continue to speak to us. And we pray that we are open to hearing your voice and listening to where you are calling us into your service. It is in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Our first reading for this morning is taken from 1 Samuel, chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. 
Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And so he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if the Lord calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming the Lord, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, Here I am. Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. We sing together our gospel acclamation. Gospel according to John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. 
Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Beloved of God, grace and peace to you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Like you, I watched with horror and sadness and anger and grief as the events unfolded at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Actually, Pastor Heather and I, together with my husband Nathan, were in the sanctuary at the time, working on recording last Sunday's worship service. We had left our phones in our offices so that we could focus our attention on worship. Only after we had finished recording did we reconnect with the world. Nathan and I picked up our phones and discovered a string of text messages from our children and a long list of breaking news notifications. I sank into the chair in my office, not really believing what I was seeing and hearing. We headed for home shortly after we finished recording and listened in shock to the live reports that were being broadcast on the radio. And as I imagine many of you have done, I have spent the past days reflecting on what has happened and trying to process the images I saw of the desecration of our symbol of democracy, of the violence and the calls for further violence, of the mixture of racist, anti-Semitic and Christian symbols all worn or carried by the mob, of images of lawmakers being evacuated and images of the loss of life. Much of what we witnessed was in part a consequence of the hate and rage-filled rhetoric and of the steady stream of lies that have come from the president and other national leaders who have supported him in the past years. There is danger in saying this, danger of being considered too partisan, danger of alienating family and friends and coworkers, danger of turning people away from our businesses or our churches. As a result, many people have sworn off talking about such matters, especially political matters, choosing to be silent or look the other way, even in the face of wrongdoing, rather than risk saying something. But silence, too, was part of what led to the scene we witnessed at the Capitol. Elie Wiesel, a Holocaust survivor and author, spoke about such silence in his Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech, saying, We must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. You see, our silence, however well-intentioned, only creates more space for those who are already speaking. The boy Samuel, whom we met in the story that Pastor Heather read for us this morning, knew the danger of speaking truth to power all too well. We heard just part of his story, his call story. Before we talk more about this part of the story, it'll be helpful to fill in a few pieces of background information. Samuel was born in a period of transition in Israelite history. The time of the judges was coming to an end and the monarchy was about to arise. The Bible depicts this time as a worrying time in Israel. The last verse of Judges describes the situation in Israel this way. In those days, there was no king in Israel. 
All the people did what was right in their own eyes. And our story today tells us that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. It's a bleak portrait indeed. Samuel himself is a transitional figure. He will be the one who will inaugurate the monarchy, anointing the first two Israelite kings, Saul and David. In some ways, Samuel still functions as a judge. He travels around all Israel, offering counsel and rendering judgments. But he is also the first of the prophets, called to speak God's word on God's behalf, both to the anointed king and to the people of Israel as a whole. In today's story, Samuel is just a young boy an apprentice of sorts to the priest at Shiloh, whose name was Eli. Eli had grown old and his vision was largely gone. He has two sons who we might expect to succeed their father, except that they are scoundrels, stealing the best parts of the offering brought by the people for sacrifice on the altar and sexually abusing the women who worked there. Eli, we are told, was aware of their behavior, but did nothing to restrain his sons. As a result, an unnamed man of God comes to Eli and pronounces judgment on his house. In times of our own distress and uncertainty, as well as in moments of national crises, it can be hard for us to see how and where God is at work in our lives and in the world. The Psalms are chock full of prayers prayed by people in just such moments, crying out to God for help. Individual prayers as well as community or national prayers for help. What I love though about this part of Samuel's story, which is the appointed lesson for this week, is that it gives us a glimpse of what a critical or crisis moment looks like from God's perspective. God is aware of our plight, of the situation we find ourselves in. God knows the ins and outs of what is going on and how we got here better than we do. And though we may have trouble in the moment seeing God at work, nonetheless, God is at work. And God is persistent in this work. God has seen what is going on and is acting by calling Samuel into service. Over and over again, God calls to Samuel. At first, Samuel misunderstands who is calling him, thinking instead that it is Eli. By the time Samuel, with Eli's help, has got it all figured out, God is literally shouting at Samuel. And at last it works. Samuel responds to God's call, speak, for your servant is listening. This is one of those moments that divides life into the before times and the after times. For Samuel, there will be no going back. Justice demands that a word of judgment be spoken. The abuse of power, the turning of a blind eye must stop. God cannot, will not abide such things. I don't know about you, but for me, the word judgment, especially in a biblical context, carries a negative connotation. I don't usually think of judgment as good news, but slowly I have come to understand that it is. God's longed-for, prayed-for justice comes about through judgment by saying what is wrong is wrong and will not be tolerated, by naming sin as sin. Luther gets at this too. He writes, a theologian of glory calls evil good and good evil. A theologian of the cross calls a thing what it actually is. The cross, you see, is both a brutal word of judgment and at the same time, 
the definitive word of God's boundless love for us, an irrevocable promise of forgiveness and salvation. It is for Christ's sake that the cross is good news. God's judgment is rendered for the sake of a new creation, for the sake of new life, new opportunity, new possibility. Judgment rendered so that forgiveness and mercy and healing may be known and experienced in abundance. Still though, judgment is hard. The judgment spoken by the unnamed man of God against the house of Eli is about to be enacted, and it is Samuel's job to tell this unfortunate fact to Eli, to speak God's word of truth to him. It is dangerous to call a thing what it is, and the next morning we learn that Samuel is scared to go and talk to Eli. How does one walk into one's superior's office, one mentor, one's caregiver, and say to him or her that he or she is in the wrong? But God's call is rarely easy. Just ask Moses or Isaiah or Jeremiah or any of the prophets. Just ask John the Baptist or Mary, Jesus's mother or the disciples, or St. Paul, or Martin Luther King Jr. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, sums it up best in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, writing, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Not literally die, but die to our old ways of life, our former allegiances, our past priorities and commit instead to God's way and God's priorities. We might pity Samuel for the unenviable task God has set him. We might pity all of the prophets, the disciples, the martyrs of the church for their difficult callings. But God's call is not limited to just prophets and apostles. Come and see, Jesus says. This invitation is not just to Philip and Nathaniel, but to you and to me. Come, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. I am the light of the world, the bread of life and the living water. I am the good shepherd. There will be dark valleys, difficult and dangerous tasks ahead, but Jesus will see you through them. Jesus's call divides our life into the before times and the after times. In baptism, we are asked to reject the old ways to renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God, to renounce the powers of this world that rebel against God, and to renounce the ways of sin. And in place of those old ways, we commit ourselves to God's way to living among God's faithful people, to hearing God's word and sharing in the Lord's Supper, to proclaiming the good news of God in Christ Jesus, and to serving all people, and to striving for justice and peace in all the earth. This is dangerous business. The forces and powers of this world do not like to be challenged, to be rejected and renounced, but it must be done. Moments of crisis, of threat, of intimidation, of abuse, of power must be confronted with truth-telling. And truth-telling is not just for prophets and apostles, but it is your baptismal call too. Samuel may have wondered why him, why would God call someone like Samuel? He's a boy after all, but Samuel was well-placed. He had the ear, the confidence, the trust of Eli, and Samuel was open to God's call, willing to follow and do as God asked. You, too, have your own sphere of influence, and no matter how small you may think that sphere is, it's probably bigger than you imagine, you have the power to shape it, to let the light of Christ shine in and through you to speak God's word of truth 
to those around you and to advocate for justice. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. As I write and record this message, it is Wednesday. The House has just voted to impeach the president. I've seen images of the Capitol building in Madison being boarded up. I have heard the warning about further violence. I do not know what will happen over the next days and weeks. I am worried and scared. I am still angry and deeply disappointed about the events that took place on the 6th, and I can't help but wonder at Dr. King's words. Are they true? Will justice ever come? Will God's reign be enacted for all people? When thoughts like this flood my mind and heart, it is the words from our Good Friday service that come to me. Behold, the life-giving cross on which was hung the Savior of the whole world. As these words wash over me, I know that the answer is yes, for God so loves the world. God's kingdom will come on earth as in heaven. And I find courage again to return to the font and to renounce the forces and powers that draw me away from God and commit anew to bearing witness to God's truth and to striving for justice and peace in all the earth. Beloved friends, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our crucified and risen Lord. Amen. Our hymn of the day is hymn number 737, He Comes to Us as One Unknown. We will sing verses 1, 2, 4, and 5.
guided by Christ, made known to the nations, let us offer our prayers for the church, for the world, and for all people in need. After each petition, we sing together, Lord, listen to your children praying. God, our light, empower the body of Christ gathered throughout the world and all servants of the gospel, that following Jesus, the church may live out its calling in bold and faithful ways every day. God, our creator, sustain the well-being of creation, plants and animals and all that you have made. Teach us to serve as wide steward, wise stewards of our earth, our home. We pray to the Lord. together in common life. In all our conflicts, help us to confront one another without hatred or bitterness. Help us to listen for your voice amid the chaos, and help us to work together with mutual patience and respect. Lead police officers, firefighters, peacekeepers, military personnel, lawmakers and all leaders of government lead them in your ways of truth and justice we pray to the lord especially today for Brad Wozniak and Levi Miller. God of our salvation, we give you thanks for the saints who have gone before us as we remember especially this week Martin Luther King Jr. May their lives give us a vision of the gospel in action. O oh, merciful God, hear the prayers of your people spoken and silent Hear our prayers for the sake of the one who dwells among us, your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. always. We send a greeting of peace to you wherever you are this morning as we greet one another too with a sign of God's peace. We thank you 
for your continued generosity, for all the ways that you support the work of helping those in need here in our community and in the ongoing ministry of our Savior's Lutheran Church. Your support is vital as we together continue to follow in the ways and work of Jesus. We welcome your offering to OSL, to our shared ministry, and we are so grateful for those gifts. You are invited to send your offering into our church office or use our online giving option on our website at oslme.com. If you have not yet made ready some bread and wine or juice for communion, you may do so now as we sing together our offertory. Let the vineyards be fruitful. like a mother receives her child with arms open wide. Nourish us anew in your tender care and empower us in faithful service to tend to others with this same love. Through Jesus Christ, our saving grace. Amen. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, shed for you and all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Beloved, Christ calls to you here in this meal, offering grace, love, and forgiveness. I invite you to share this meal of Christ at home with those with whom you are gathered or to receive these gifts yourself. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. As you share communion now, we hear a gift of special music from Michaela. She will be playing As With Gladness.
May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. Christ Jesus, in this meal we have feasted on your very life and are strengthened for our journey. Send us forth from this banquet nourished in body and in spirit to proclaim your good news and serve others in your name. Amen. As you go forth into the rest of this day, go forth with this blessing. God, the creator, strengthen you. Jesus, the beloved, fill you. And the Holy Spirit, the comforter, keep you in peace. Amen. I share just a couple of reminder announcements to you, the ministers of OSL, the first of which is a reminder that a matins morning prayer continues on Wednesday mornings via Zoom with Pastor Sarah. You are welcome to join in at any time, so just contact Pastor Sarah to learn how to do so. I also want to announce that we have plans for our annual meeting, February 14th, 9.45 a.m. via Zoom. So this will be a first for us, a congregational meeting, uh, a virtual meeting via Zoom. You will get um, lots of reminders and opportunities to connect to that gathering. We'll be sending out email and um, we'll have all that information available for you in the church office. You will also um, receive in hand um, about a week or so before that meeting, um, our annual report. So you'll have all that information um, digitally in hand um, for you so you can participate in our annual meeting on the 14th. I remind you as well um, that if you have a prayer concern uh, or would like to have a conversation over the phone or a virtual meeting with one of our parish nurses or with Pastor Sarah or I, we welcome you to reach out to us. We are here for you. Our final hymn this day is hymn number 651, Oh, praise the gracious power, and we will be singing verses 1, 3, 6, and 7 together.
in peace be the light of Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you.